I'm Megan Hale, and you're listening to The Enoughness Revolution, a feel-good podcast on creating joy in life, work, and love. Join me every Monday and Thursday for practical tools that speak to the soul to create a life you love. Hi, hey, hey, you guys. I'm finally back in Texas. Feels so good to be home. My roses are gorgeous and plentiful. They all just bust into beautiful blooms while I was gone in South Carolina. And I just feel so happy to be home and back in my own surroundings and getting to sleep in my own bed. You guys know how that is after you've been gone for a while. It's like your house is new again, (laughs) but it also just feels like home. So super grateful to be home. And I am really excited to share our next guest with you today because she has such a unique business. So today I'm going to be sharing Jen Glance with you, who is the brains behind Bridesmaid for Hire and the heart behind the blog, The Things I Learned From, and the main character inside of the Amazon best-selling book, All My Friends Are Engaged. Her new book, Always a Bridesmaid for Hire, published by Simon & Schuster, is available now. Jen's told her story to over 500 press outlets worldwide, such as the Today Show, Good Morning America, CNN, and Fox News, where they called her job the weirdest of all time. (laughs) Jen is a mentor for New York City women entrepreneurs and a hired speaker for conferences and workshops around the country. I know she just spoke at South by Southwest in Austin, just up the road from me. She lives on the 26th floor of a New York City apartment the size of a walk-in closet where she eats way too much pizza and owes way too much money to the library across the street. Jen's job, her business, is so amazing to me, and she has a miraculous story she's going to be sharing with you today. So let's get into this beautiful conversation, shall we? Without further ado, here is Jen. Welcome back to the Enoughness Revolution, everybody. I am so excited to have my next guest with me today. I'm talking to the lovely Jen Glance. Jen, thanks for being with me. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. Oh, it is a pleasure. You know, when you first reached out to me and you told me what you did, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. (laughs) Thank you. I would love to hear just this journey of how your work found you. So it was a complete accident. I was always the bridesmaid for my friends for so many years. Uh, and there was just one night in particular where two very, very distant friends asked me to be a bridesmaid. And when I told my roommate, I said to her, Carrie, I'm not sure why they're asking me to be a bridesmaid. I haven't spoken to them in years. She looked at me and said, Jen, you are really good at this. You've become a professional bridesmaid. And these light bulbs went off in my head and I thought to myself, wow, perhaps I could do this for other people. Perhaps I could even do it for strangers. Mm. Oh my goodness. And so was it like an immediate takeoff or how, like, what was the journey of actually getting this thing? So I know that, you know, it's completely blown up since you've started. Yeah, it was a complete accident. So I had the idea. And then that night I said to myself, you know, where do I take a crazy idea? I was a poetry major in college. I had no business experience. So I figured, okay, I'll take a crazy idea and put it up on a crazy website. I posted an ad on craigslist.com offering my services as a bridesmaid for hire for strangers. It was completely anonymous. And then two days later, I had hundreds of responses from brides all over the world who wanted to learn more, who wanted to hire me. Uh, And there I was realizing, okay, 
got to start a business. So in the course of one week, I created a website, I wrote the copy for the website, and I started reading through all of the responses from brides to generate a couple of different initial packages to offer. So it was a very quick launch period, uh, and I almost started the, the business in reverse. I had an idea and threw it out there before I had a business. And usually yeah. we you know, think of a business idea, create a strategy, and then launch it. I flipped it, which was very, very hectic. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> That's amazing. So before you were in your current profession, what were you doing and were you happy doing it? I was a, a copywriter at a tech startup and I loved my job. I, this, I came from a very small agency before I was doing PR. I loved working for a startup because it allowed me to see everything going on. Though I was a copywriter, I was involved in so many different aspects of the startup and I loved that. I loved my boss. I loved the people I worked with. Uh, and I was doing two things at once. I was working full time and I had my job on the side as a bridesmaid for hire. Life was good. It was very stressful. One day in particular, I got laid off for my full-time job. The company was kind of going under, and they laid off 40 people, and I was one mm. of them. So it was really hard leaving my job, especially because I left on somebody else's terms. Uh, but it was also a blessing in disguise because I'm not quite sure if I didn't get laid off, if I ever would have had the courage to leave such a good thing. Yeah, no, I could totally see that. So I'm curious, have you, have any of the brides that have hired you, have they become good friends of yours? They have. There's a couple brides that I've worked with in the past that I keep in touch with. There's a couple in New York City who we go hang out. We have happy hour. We've become real friends. Uh, you know, it sounds like a crazy idea to start this business, but I didn't start it to be a rent a friend for one night. Yeah. I turned down requests that are like that. Uh, this job to me is a relationship building job, and a lot of that is genuine. We really do establish a friendship before your wedding and af oftentimes after, too. Yeah. I mean, planning a wedding is so intense. <laughs> there are so many things that go into it. So to have somebody be a part of that process that has obviously done this before, I think would be a godsend. Oh yeah. And a lot of what I like to do is provide my brides with honest advice. I personally do not like weddings. I think they're a waste of time and money. Mm -hmm. I'm in this business because I want to help people. So a lot of what I do is say, listen, like I'm not a wedding vendor. I'm not getting cuts from anybody. Here's what you should invest your money in with your wedding. And here's what you should totally skip. And I think that's refreshing because the wedding industry is very saturated. There's a lot mm -hmm. of people trying to make a quick dollar. I'm not one of those people. I pride myself on being there for the, the actual individuals getting married and not for the wedding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that. Like, so this, this, this business that you started actually started off as like a side gig that turned into your main gig. And that's also a transition to you helping other women and men or just women start their own side gig. Both. I started, um, you know, after I started the business and I was working it for a little while, I realized that I started something very unique with very little knowledge. And that was good. And I wanted to inspire other people to feel the courage and the confidence to do the same. But I also mm -hmm. wanted to train them and say, listen, you can do whatever you want to do with the knowledge you have. But here are some mistakes to avoid that I painfully had to go through. Uh, so I started teaching some local classes in New York City to people. Uh, from there, I started working one-on-one -on -one virtually with clients just to help people strategize and take their business idea and figure out a way to launch it. Uh, and I really love mentoring people and helping people do that because 
everyone is capable of starting their own business in my mind. You just don't realize that you have all of the tools you need because you're used to just doing one job and one job only for your full-time gig. Mm-hmm. And I bet that you probably learned a lot of lessons by fire considering how quickly your business took off. Definitely lessons, mistakes, heartbreaks, uh, moments of wanting to toss my hands in the air and give up. I'm still learning every day. It's been two and a half years, and there are some days I wake up feeling discouraged. I wake up thinking, what the heck am I doing? These are all normal things to go through, and I want people to know that. You know, I want people to realize when you start a business, it's not glamorous. For longer than you expect, it's going to be a headache, and there's going to be days when you think to yourself, why am I doing this? And also, what am I doing? And there's beauty in that. And I try to help people find that beauty. I love that. I mean, I think that that's a message that definitely needs to be more normalized in the world, and especially in the world of entrepreneurship. Um, Because, you know, like the whole concept of enoughness, I think a lot of times when we are starting anything new or getting outside of our comfort zone, those voices of not enough are so prevalent, especially in the beginning. But What I have found that no matter what level of success that you have, anytime you are expanding into something new, those voices come back up. So, mm. And I think that it's not even us telling us we're enough. There were so many people in my life growing up who told me I wasn't good enough. I always wanted to be a writer and so many people said, you're not good enough. You're never going to make a career out of this. And, you know, so I think it's also a lot of other people telling us we're not good enough. We're not ready enough. um, We're not dumb enough to take the leap and start something ourselves. And I think that it's them plus our own internal voices that really just get us off course, get us jumbled up and get us paralyzed in a sense to not try anything. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think like the best thing that we can do is look back at our, our stories and see how other people's voices have really shaped who we are. Because a lot of times other people's fears <laughs> are what kind of dissuade us from pursuing our dreams and our passions. And to think that you experience people telling you that you would never make it as a writer. And here you are, you just released a book. And this isn't, this is your second book, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And you run an amazing blog. Thank you. So you're, you're making a living writing, doing the exact same thing that people are like, uh, you're not going to be able to do this. I think I learned very early on that what motivated me, what energized me was proving people wrong. Mm-hmm. I love when someone tells me I can't do something or I'm not going to do something. I use that as this sick internal thing inside of me to prove people wrong. And I think that that's a good thing because it's made me relentless in my pursuit of whatever it is I'm trying to conquer. Um, And I think that that's one way to go about it. The other way is to believe them. Mm-hmm. refuse to do that because I've had people in my life counteract that and tell me why would you listen to them you know my mom for example has always been a supporter of anytime someone has told me I'm not good enough I'm not enough she looks me in the eye and say why are you going to believe them you know what power do they have over you and it's the same when I call her and say mom I'm not good enough to get this and I'm not good enough to try for this and she says to me how do you even know you know, you can't judge yourself. So I think all of these positive influences in my life have made me the kind of person who aims to prove people wrong. So it's been a blessing and also a curse because you do work tirelessly for that pursuit, but it's definitely a nice feeling when it happens. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as you're talking, and I don't know why this popped up into my mind, 
I'm just going to throw it out there, though. There's this video that um, Jennifer Lopez, of all people, has put out. And one of the things that, I, that really stuck with me is that she, was, she talks about only you know what you're capable of doing. And it's so true. Like, we are the only true knowers yeah. of what our true capacity is to achieve or pursue the things that are really on our heart. So to trust that and to listen to that voice above all, I think that is uh, such a powerful thing to do for ourselves, but it's not always easy. It's not. And I totally agree with that. I think that's so true. And I think it's also really powerful because we don't know what we're capable of handling either. Um, and I think that some of the biggest situations in my life have been the most trying ones. The ones mm -hmm. have been the most scary, uh, terrifying, and tough that I look at and say, there's no way I'm going to get through this. Then I wake up the next day and I've gotten one day through this, or I've gotten five days through this. And I look back at some of those situations and I think, wow, I didn't know I was this strong. I didn't know I was this person. So I think sometimes we surprise ourselves of what we're capable of. And um, that's a really awesome thing that life kicks us in the butt with. I love that. And I think that's so true. So I want to hear about your book because I know it just came out and I'm sure it is amazing. So tell me, what, what do you talk about in this book? What are the, some of the juicy details? So I um, wrote a book called Always a Bridesmaid for Hire, and inside are stories about growing up. Uh, when I was growing up, I was bullied a lot. I was extremely shy. Talk about that aspect of my life. Uh, stories about finding, for, finding love and how tirelessly hard that has been. I had my mom uh, become the hacker of my dating life and set me up on dates with my online profiles. Um, I went to a professional matchmaker. And then finally, there are stories in the book about what it's like to take this crazy idea and put it into life, what it was like getting off airplanes and walking down the aisle for complete strangers, and not so much wedding horror stories, but more about stories of what I've learned from the people I've interacted with in this journey. Uh, I didn't want to write a book about wedding horror stories. I wanted to write about lessons learned through the beautiful strangers that I've been able to be in contact with throughout this journey, and that's truly the heart of this book. Mm. It sounds beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> and so where are you now with, with finding love? Well, you know, that's a great question. And I think um, what was so interesting is with this job, being a bridesmaid for hire, you see it all. You see people sure. get married for the wrong reasons. Um, you see just a lot of things that could really make you jaded. Um, but one thing that I've, I've seen, too, is that it's influenced my dating life and my motivation to put myself out there more. And last year, I was having a conversation with a bride who was telling me about how she, how her dating process was. She forced herself to go on a certain amount of first dates in a month. And I loved that idea because I just pictured myself sitting at home on dating apps, swiping, 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 and never meeting anybody. So last February, I forced myself to do 14 first dates in a month. Wow. There were some days I went on four first dates in one day. Oh, my gosh. Painful process. <laughs> and February, you know, the last day of February happens. I've met nobody I ever would want to see again. But I decided <laughs> to go on one more date. I don't know why, but I decided, okay, let's make it 15. And date 15 has turned out to be my boyfriend for about a year. So, oh my God. Um, you know, it just, it's just such a funny thing because the brides I've worked with have influenced my view of love and also the way I approach dating, which is really awesome. 
Yeah. And I think this is actually a really perfect segue because one of the things I ask my guests to bring the conversation are three tips for creating joy in life, work, and love. And I'm really curious to hear what your answers are, especially given all the things that you've learned about relationships and love and weddings and marriage and all of this. So what would you say? I would say the first thing is if something makes you uncomfortable, do it. Mm. Um, get out of your comfort zone. You know, I think that a lot of the things I've been the most scared of in life were things that were holding me back. And when I finally looked at them and said, you know what, you terrify me, but I'm going to tackle you. It, mm. it really transformed the way I went about things. Mm. Um, I mentioned that I was, you know, very shy growing up and that didn't just change. I didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm not shy. Um, you know, that was something that I worked on because I knew it made me uncomfortable and I would put myself in situations where I had to speak and I had to put myself out there and fast forward many years and I don't consider myself a shy person. You know, I can't stop talking. So that was just one example. Mm -hmm. The other thing I would say, um, is to fall in love with failure, you know, recognize failure as something that's essential to your life and your growth and even your happiness. Mm. Um, sometimes when you strive to fail at things, you see things from a different perspective. You find yourself closer to goals. Um, you even find yourself laughing at yourself a little bit more because you realize you're human making mistakes and it can be really funny. Yes. Um, and then the final thing I would say is to do something really healthy for yourself. Um, I'm not a workout freak at all, but I do attempt to work out as much as possible during the week. It gets me off my couch. It allows me, it forces me to shut my computer and my phone for 45 minutes a day. Uh, and even if I drag myself to a workout class and I don't do anything, which I go often and not do, even if I sit on the yoga mat or if I go to a boot camp and just like, not do a thing, it's still an hour that I'm out. And I try my hardest to do that, you know, once a day or a couple times a week. And when I do, when I am active in the classes, I do feel a sense of happiness and joy and, um, you know, feel that my mental state is benefiting from, from going. Well, I think even if you, just the act of showing up for yeah. yourself is huge just for building that habit. And I think anytime we just simply go and take that time for ourselves, we're sending a message to ourselves that we're worth it, that we're worth that time. Even yeah. if we don't do anything during that hour, just simply showing up for ourselves. I agree. And I have tried recently um, to make it a point on Sundays to schedule my workouts for the week. So I, I have that, that time blocked on my calendar. And if someone wants to have an appointment or a meeting, I take that workout time seriously. I, I really won't change it because that's my gift to myself that day. Um, and it's really meaningful to look at the calendar and say, okay, that's gen time. And gen time's not going to be a nap. It's not going to be stuffing my face with chips. It's going to be putting on the shoes and, and at least getting out of my apartment. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I think prioritizing that time for yourself and having fierce boundaries around that is really incredibly important, especially when you run a business, because as you know, there's always something that needs to get done or could get done. Oh yeah. <laughs> so there's millions of reasons for us to talk ourselves out of taking that time for ourselves. So boundaries are incredibly important for finding that life work balance, which I think is different for everybody, but it's so important for overall health and well-being. So my question to you is when it comes to failure of falling in love with failure, which I love, what have you learned about not taking failure personally? 
I think that one thing I've learned about failure is that it's not always you that's being rejected. Perhaps it's timing. Perhaps it's a person not understanding your idea. I have tried to look at failure as one step closer to my goal. So if I email somebody and they reject me or if I try something and I don't get it, I sit back and say, yes, they know who I am. They responded. That's one more thing that didn't happen yesterday. Uh, and I think that a lot of times if you look at failure as almost a game, I gamify failure. So I look at it and say, okay, they turned down this, but I'm going to email them back and try again. Um, I, if I could go down as one thing in the world, I would go down as the most relentless person. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. A lot of opportunities I've gotten have been from people who say, Jen, you are the most relentless person I've ever met. And for that, we want to give you this opportunity. Or for that, we want to at least meet you in person because we've never met somebody who's emailed us 13 times to follow up. So I think that, you know, if you look at failure as something you could gamify and just have fun with, you put yourself out there more and you never know what's going to happen. Mm, I love that. And I want to kind of circle back to your first tip because I think it's really important. When you get out of your comfort zone, have you noticed that it's had a big impact on your confidence and courage? Definitely. I mean, the more times you go out of your comfort zone, the more you start to be scared of less, th less things. So, mm -hmm. you know, I try so hard to always do things that are out of my comfort zone so that on a daily basis, very few things scare me. Um, you know, that's how you become known in your group of friends is the fearless one, the one who views every situation as something interesting. And, you know, I've done improv, I've done stand-up comedy, I've done these things just to scare the living hell out of myself <laughs> so that nothing else scares me. Like if I can stand on a stage and deliver, you know, a five-minute bit at a stand-up comedy club, everything underneath that is going to be a piece of cake. So I try to aim for the scariest things I can do so that everyday things in life seem very easy. And that technique has sadly worked. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to keep on doing it, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, you keep on doing it. And then, um, you know, in the moment, it's the most terrible, you know, to me, stand-up comedy was the most terrifying thing. And after I did that, I tried an improv class, which was then the most scariest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, and then when that was over, it was like, okay, you know what? I did that. What else can I do? Because I just want to keep building this, you know, threshold of, of terror and, you know, also comfort in weird situations. So I'm curious, does this fear and terror feel the same as excitement in your body? It does. Like I, I remember for the stand-up comedy performance, um, it was a mixture of excitement and it was also a mixture of what I imagined falling, you know, jumping out of a plane would feel like. <laughs> yeah. I've never done it before, but you know, your whole body kind of just collapses inside of you. And it's a good test of, you know, you being with yourself, being able to fight these fears and these emotions. Um, I think a lot of times in life we're put in situations, you know, our life can change like that. And that happens often. And this is almost practice on how to manage that when that does happen by mm -hmm. scaring yourself silly with these things. Um, and very few times in our life do we test ourselves. A lot of us are so comfortable with our surroundings and we don't always do that. Um, and I think that's been one of the greatest gifts I've given to myself is just the attempt of, you know, doing these crazy things and, feeling the feels of my body during those times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's a really good tool or skill of learning not to abandon yourself in those times of fear. It's fight or flight. Um, and, you know, I think if you go in there and say, okay, I'm not going to fight, I'm going to fight through it. You do fight through it. 
whether or not you collapse on stage, you pee in your pants, you just make a fool of yourself, you get through it. And I think if you can get to the finish line or close to it, you realize, okay, it wasn't that bad. Everything you do in life, people forget about in five seconds. So, yes. you know, you're the talk of the town for two minutes and then they move on. So what's the worst that could really happen? Yeah, I love that. So what's next for you this year? I'm going to keep hopefully writing more books. I just launched a training program for anybody out there who wants to start their own bridesmaid for hire or professional bridesmaid business. I want to be able to help other people start something that I started by accident. Um, and I hope to do more, you know, mentorship with people out there because I think that it's so important to have someone in your life who's rooting you on, cheering you on and taking exactly who you are and amplifying it. So those are my goals for 2017, but life changes so quickly that you can't plan ahead. That's one thing I've definitely learned. I love that. So where would you like people to connect with you, Jen? People can find me at jenglance.com or on social media at jenglance. And you can check out my new book, Always a Bridesmaid for Hire, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or in person wherever books are sold. Oh, I love that, girl. Well, thank you so much for being an awesome guest. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you were welcome. And everyone, we will see you again soon for a Motivational Monday. Have a great weekend.